Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. Before we talk Super League, let me just give you an announcement that uh, just just got it in my, in my inbox right now from SABC Sport, and it reads that SABC Sport is pleased to announce that the CAF Confed Cup match between Orlando Pirates and ES Satif will be live on SABC One and SABC Sport. Uh, channel on open view 124 tomorrow at 3 p.m. So Pirates against Satif live on SABC and SABC Sport channel open view 124 tomorrow. That's SABC one also. And the open view is that box that you get and then um, you on channel 124 you get the 24 hour spot channel. So uh, that's the update right now from SABC Sport. But let's talk now about the Super League. And we are joined on the line by uh, no stranger to the show, of course, Mr. Kelvin Watt, who's spoken to us a few times here at from Nelson Sport and Capitalized Media. Kelvin, good evening from us. Thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM tonight. Hey, to be so great to chat to you again. Always good. Thanks, Calvin. As someone who deals with trends, with commercial interests, marketing, and all of that, did you see the Super League gathering as much team as it has over the past forty-eight hours or so? Um, probably certainly not. I mean, I, I, as you'll be well aware, it's, it's not something that's new. It's been spoken about over the last 10, 12 years. It's come up quite regularly. You know, it, it tends to be these big clubs bring it out when there's a sort of renegotiation of the broadcast rights and their share of the money within the leagues, you know, certainly in the UK and also in Spain. So it's it's certainly um, not a new topic and it's been around. I think this this announcement took everyone by surprise. I think if you saw any of the interviews with some of the players and the coaches like Jurgen Klopp and even those guys were, were taken quite surprised by it on Sunday. So it certainly came a bit out of nowhere and seems to be the most organized that this discussion has ever been. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone anticipated quite what a news item it would be. Uh, I was chatting to a lot of the industry guys in, in the UK today and they're saying it's just, it's, it's unbelievable that it's the only thing in the last almost feels like 18 months or 15, 16 months that's taken COVID off the front pages had their parliament talking about football. So it, it really shows football and the power of it, obviously, in Europe, that it's it's the one thing that's been able to remove COVID from the front pages, from discussions in parliament, etc. So big, big news. Yeah. And it's obvious, Calvin, I think the motivation here is money. But is the pandemic, though, an understandable enough reason to go this route? Can we just say that they, they're now coming up with this league because of the challenges caused by the pandemic or the losses that they suffered during the pandemic? I think they're going to try and hide behind that. I, you know, I think this is a massive misjudgment from a group of, of sport billionaires in the, in an industry. I think, you know, typically a lot of them are investors in big sport in America where commercial interests tend to come first and fans second. I think they completely misread the room here. Um, the fan backlash has been something they probably never anticipated. I think they also believe that the rest of the teams in their leagues would, uh, would back down and sort of, you know, um, Say to them, look, you can you know, continue to play in the Premiership but have your own Super League. I think what's happened with the Premier League is it's become quite powerful economically. And I think the, the other 14 clubs have realized that even if they have a reduction in TV and other revenues, um, the, the revenues will probably still be pretty much what they're getting because those big six are already taking uh, you know, a, a bigger portion of the revenue than they are getting. So I think they underestimated the financial strength of the other 14 and, and the fact that they would stand up against it. But mostly... They really underestimated the, the impact that the, the, the fans, the players, and, and the people in football, um, what their opinion would be. So this is greed. I, you know, I don't think there's anything else in that. But, but you know, I think that's been put quite simple by, 
by a number of people. There's there's no other reasons for it. They you know they're obviously promising that they could deliver lots of additional revenues and they would share that down. But but the reality is, uh, you know, I don't think there's much faith in that and, and belief in it from the football people, including their own fans. Yes, and what do you make of the reaction of the fans? Because it seems like fans around the world are united in this. They are against this European Super League. And ultimately, the fans that support these teams, it's their money that funds these clubs. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's where they've really got it wrong. I think, you know, football, you know, it's one of the things that makes football, the, the, you know, the biggest sport in the world is that it, it, it tends to be played in, in one way. You know, whether, wherever you are in the world, it's promotion, relegation. People understand that, you know, certain teams are, are playing to, to win the league and others are playing to stay up and the importance of that. And in leagues below that, that those teams that have aspirations to come up, it, it's the way that football is played. And it's, it's what fans absolutely love about the game, love about the league. And I think, you know, they, they, they pretty much underestimated that. And, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a dangerous thing when you try and bring an American commercial model to a sport that is so deeply entrenched across Europe and across the world um, in, in terms of how it's done and how competition is, is managed. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's largely where they got it wrong. You know, I think there's certainly issues with UEFA, and UEFA is not completely blameless in this whole situation. Um, you know, and they're now getting on the front foot and, and, and trying to have a go at these clubs. You know, I think uh, they, they're sort of a bit to blame in terms of how things have got to here because these clubs have been talking to them for some time about some reforms and, and to sit down and, and, and re-look at the way, you know, the UEFA Champions League and, and other events there are managed and put together and how monies are shared. Um, but largely these, these owners, uh, I think they misread the room is, is the simplest uh, way I can describe it. Yeah, and do you see fan power eventually winning here or this, uh, this Super League uh, clubs just don't care? I think they've won already. Uh, you know, from what I've heard in my, in my colleagues in the UK today, there's already two or three of these clubs that behind closed doors have already, you know, decided they're going to withdraw. They're just deciding how to do that. Mm. There's, there's no ways they can go this route. The backlash is too big. Their governments are against it. Their fans, their own fans are against it. You know, I think if, if their own fans had come out and supported it, they probably would have gone with it. Um, or even being fairly neutral. I think the backlash from, from the fans, um, their own fans, is, is probably particularly taking these guys by surprise. And I think in the end, it's going to be the piece that, that pulls it back. And I think it'll come back pretty quickly. Um, but I think it will probably, you know, it'll probably win them a few points in the, in the negotiations that are going to follow because there are going to have to be some renegotiations around how things go forward. You know, even for football, you know, it's brave to say kick them all out and move them along, but, but you know, these are massive brands and, they, they, you know, at the end of the day, they are the brands that people watch, um, not only within those countries, but, but globally. Um, you know, so uh, there's going to have to be some compromise. They're definitely going to come out on the, on the worst end of it. They're going to have to back down, but, but they'll win a few points, I guess, um, in the sort of final shake-up of things. Okay, if you've just joined us, we are speaking to Calvin Watt, the owner of Nelson Sports SA and Capitalized Media, just finding out about the impact of uh, this uh, proposed uh, European uh, Super League. We're going to take a quick break. You can send us your reaction, your voice notes to 061 410 We'll just take a quick breather. Sport on on SAFM. Okay. Calvin, Calvin, before the break, you touched on them copying the American model. And the other argument is that we've seen this happen all over the world or in different sporting codes. Some say money has always been controlling sport and this model is not too, uh, um, is, is very similar, actually. Is it the same year or why is it not the same? No, I think, you know, where it's different is, you know, in the U.S., they're used to trading teams. Cities will buy teams and a whole team will just move and rename itself. And, you know, and look, we've seen a bit of that in South African football as well. But but certainly in, in the way of U.S. sport, it's sort of the way things are done. And I think 
largely sports fans in the U.S. understand the system very differently. They don't necessarily have relegation. Their, their position in leagues is entrenched. Um, and, and look, I understand why when you in Europe, you know, if you're a, if you're a billionaire owner and you've invested huge amounts of money in a team, and your in your the reason that you're doing it is because at the end of the day, you you know you know you're not going to make a profit out of the team as you're running it, but what you are going to do is increase the value of it and resell it at a later time. So your your the value of the club increases, and if you go and look at what's happened in a lot of those um, enterprises in the U.S., al- although the teams themselves don't make sort of annual profits the value of those teams rises. And, and I mean, I don't know if you saw the two listed teams and, uh, on, on Monday with the announcement, the Man United share price went up 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm sure it's come back very, very quickly and will continue to do so. But effectively, the value of the club and those people that are investing in clubs saw, saw an increase in that value. So, you know, it's just, it's a, it's just a, a very different approach to professional sport. And I guess, you know, I guess the U.S. has a, has a very different way of doing things. They'll they'll look at it and say that is truly professional, and it's truly driven by money because that's effectively what professional sport is all about. I think football around the world, as much as it is truly professional and it's, and it is a massive driving force, is money. Football has also had a you know a strong sense of its community and where it comes from, um, and and that's really been I guess the beauty of the game for you know for. For, for people around the world, and not only in in Europe, but but around the world, you know, and and similarly here, um, you know, where these teams come from and the people they represent, the communities they represent, are, are you know, not, maybe it's not equally important, but are very much part of the magic, um, you know, that 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 that, that you know sits around each of those clubs. Yeah, and there's a small matter of sporting fairness also. I mean, promotion and relegation—that's what sport is all about. And we like seeing well, these small teams I, beating these big teams. I don't know if, if sports about that, but certainly football is about that. You know, I think in a lot of other things, you know, having a, an entrenched right is obviously mm. from a business perspective is far more valuable because, you know, I, I'd, I'd hate to imagine that if you can imagine that sport is a franchise system, let's say it's a, you know, a group of Nando's branches, you'd hate to be an, an owner of a Nando's franchise and know that if you had the worst results that season across all other franchises, you'd lose your business at the end of the year and someone else would get it. You know, and, and I guess if, if you take that view of, of sport, then it's not a great thing to be investing in if you can, you know, lose your right to be in the league and to and to operate. Um, so, you know, you, you'd like some degree of, of uh, security. And, and, you know, the guys might talk about that, I guess, other than that, that team of yours, um, the other big six. Um, <laughs> I don't think they've been relegated. Maybe that Arsenal team of yours might get relegated, but I think everyone else is pretty secure. From it. So they can't use the, the problem of relegation. I think the reality is here. They they looked at a league. They looked at some broadcast rights models. Uh, to be honest, uh, to be so, I wouldn't be surprised if if there's an Amazon or a Netflix or someone hovering behind this, and there was also a look at a whole new broadcast model, um, because this was the way that they saw that they could break into broadcasting. So nothing of that's come out, but I have very strong suspicions that that's very much part of the model, and that J.P. Morgan were were talking to some of those streaming platforms and saying, look. This would be the ideal opportunity to take a league and, and put it onto a global broadcast deal. Um, you know, so I think there are a few other things at play. So you know, it, it's certainly an indicator of what's coming down the line. I mean, the one thing you, you spoke earlier when you introduced me about talking about trends, we've been talking mm. about a trend in the industry for a long time that the, the strong will get stronger and the weak will get weaker. And, and um, we're certainly seeing that, that you know, more money is flowing to the big clubs, the big teams, the big sports. 
um, and 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 the sort of smaller teams, the weaker sports, the weaker leagues are are, are struggling and getting poorer, and that's been a global trend in sport for some time. So, you know, and, and it's certainly been a big trend in in the U.S. And I think what you're seeing here is, as I said, a group of largely U.S.-driven investors who had a slightly different view of the world, um, making what probably looks like a great business decision. Certainly, if you if you work it out on a spreadsheet and, and just look at the numbers but underestimated that football is the people's game and at the end of the day, the people are going to tell you what you're going to do with it. Yes, and, and the broadcasters, you touched on them, but do you see them jumping to the Super League or trying to keep their relations with their current partners? Where does well, this think, leave them? I, I think you've seen the broadcasters have been very, very quiet and that's why my suspicion is that the broadcasters behind this league are, are sort of Amazon Prime, Netflix, one or mm-hmm. two of those those streaming businesses, those OTT platforms. The zone distanced themselves from it. There was a oh. strong suspicion, and they actually put out a statement today to say that, that they're distancing themselves from it. Um, but who knows? It, uh, <laughs> I have a strong suspicion that one of those guys, or, or, or more than one of them, was, was certainly having discussions with, with J.P. Morgan and some of those owners and would have supported it. And if you think about it, this would have been the ideal opportunity for them to go and pick up one big right that has global interest and that they can stream it to the entire world. Um, so again, you know, in theory, it probably looked like a really good buy for them, um, because it would have been very difficult for the broadcasters, the Skies, the, you know, the, the, the BTs, the, the Super Sports, those guys who have big contracts with the Premier League and with La Liga and others. It would have been a very difficult position for them that this would have put them in if they'd have to choose. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think they would have. It, yeah, it's not a position any of them want to be in right now. The other big question, and I've made a note on this because you also touched on this, is it was can small teams survive without the teams that are joining the Super League? But you think that they can. Why is that? I think in the UK, I think they've worked out that the, the value of the rest of the league has actually got to a point where they would demand enough revenue from the broadcasters and from sponsors to still operate a really good league um, from a UK perspective because already they're getting much smaller shares. So, you know, the leagues would have, the broadcasters would have reduced the rights fee that they would pay, but I think the money that would still be paid in there, those those 14, those smaller clubs that exist, I think they they were gambling and they've done their numbers. And, and you know, certainly having discussed with some of my colleagues in, in the UK today, they believe that there'd be enough money in the system for them to continue as they are. They know that there would be less money in the system, but the reality is that money's going to the big six anyway, and they're really taking out a much bigger portion of the revenue. Um, and, and these other clubs realised that they were probably in a, in a better position to survive than probably they would have been five years ago and ten years ago when some of these discussions started up. Um, you know, so I, I, I think you would have seen that, and certainly the same in, in, in you know Spanish football. Um, a little bit more complicated, maybe. Um, you know, I think there the, the, the big three clubs are, are, are a lot more dominant. Um, in some of the smaller clubs, so that might have been a slightly different situation. Um, but certainly, in, in in the Premiership, I think the fourteen were backing themselves financially and in terms of the way the numbers would stack up, that that they would be in a pretty similar position without the big six as they are with them. Okay, let's just take a voice note here. Good evening, Mr. Tabiso. Please ask Mr. Carr for me. Is it possible for FIFA to place a ban on the new Super League so that it doesn't even come into effect? Secondly, can the players 
whose club have already subscribed to the new Super League in Europe, also decide to boycott the league, the league because they sign a contract to play, let's say, in the EPL and then in the Champions League. It's Brown Moro in Bloemfontein. Okay, thanks, Bramoro. He wants to know if FIFA can take action here, Calvin, or should they take action? <laughs> Look, I suppose when it comes to football, FIFA can always take action, and you know, there's always going to be some legalese and debate that'll go around that. And at the end of the day, you know, if they did take action and, and it got to that point, I have no doubt that we'd end up in, in sort of international court of arbitration and places like that, um, because obviously, you know, it would be a complicated action. Um, but absolutely, you know, I'm sure they would take action. I have no doubt that they would, because I think it certainly would be the view of FIFA that this is not in the best interest of football um, around the world. And, and uh, um, yeah, so I have no doubt that they would. Uh, it would be a very interesting legal case, though. Um, on the case of players, I mean, I think that would be an interesting one. Uh, you know, I think you, you're not you're not really contracted to play in a particular league or a competition. You you're contracted to play for a club. Um, and whatever matches that, that they participate in. So I don't think a player could boycott. I would suspect that a lot of players, given some of the circumstances, would ask for transfers and, and to move. Um, but then again, the reality is, you know, those if you take the salary bill of those 12 clubs and try to split it out amongst the rest of football, I don't think those players would easily find a replacement salary in, into those numbers. And I suspect that a lot of those players would... Uh, would just stick with their clubs and their contracts. And, and certainly the way that these leagues were talking and, and well, the, the Super League was talking and the numbers that were being thrown around, the players would actually have more to gain financially. And, and you know, I think if you went to some of these players and offered them more money, um, a vast majority of them would stay with their clubs. Yeah, And finally, where does it leave the sponsors, Calvin? Do you see them flocking to this Super League? Well, you know, the sponsors will follow the eyeballs. And, you know, if, if the fans were accepting, um, I, absolutely, I think the sponsors would go along with it, the powers of these brands. And if they were there, you know, I think they would. Um, but I think, you know, given the circumstance, what we've seen so far from the fan backlash, I think sponsors would be very reticent to, you know, to be throwing their, their, their hats in the ring on this one. I think uh, they're going to sit back quietly and just let football deal with this. Um, you know, I think you've got a lot of sponsors today are pretty mature about the commercials that go into the world of sport. And, you know, I think it's a time now for sponsors just to sit back and let, let football deal with its issues, which they clearly are. And, you know, at the end of the day, football will come out the other side of this. Just finally, as somebody who works with trends and numbers, the president of Real Madrid and the chairman of the Super League, Florentino Perez, says that audiences are decreasing, uh, something has to be done, or we are all ruined, television has to change so we can adapt. Is that true? Are numbers going down? No. You know, I think numbers go up and down and, and various things, you know, maybe around some of the Spanish leagues. You know, I think the Spanish league numbers is, is pretty solid. I mean, certainly what I've seen from a South African context, we actually saw growth in Spanish league football here, for example, in Africa last year. So, you know, that's that's not necessarily true. Um, no, look, at those clubs, those big clubs are under some real financial pressure. And I think certainly Real Madrid and Barcelona, um, you know, they've they've pretty much had it all their own way for 20 odd years. Um, both on the field of play and, and commercially, I think both clubs are probably not in the position that they were, you know, four or five years ago. They haven't got the player base. They haven't got the big stars performing to the extent that they had, um, you know. So, I, you know, I think they've built really tough big businesses to sustain there. And obviously, they had a, a tough 12 months. But 
I think the answer that's going to come through very clearly for him is that the Super League is not the answer to these issues and that football as a whole needs to get together and solve some of the issues that it has. These are not, uh, these are not issues that are going to be solved by a breakaway of 12 to 15 teams um, because effectively the, the net loss to football will be, will be probably bigger than the gain to those 12, which in, which in the end will have a big impact on the game and affect them as well. Yeah, no, loud and clear, Calvin. Thank you very much there. And we've just seen a report that Jordan Henderson is calling um, uh, for a meeting with all the club captains in the Premier League or the club captains. Uh, interesting. Of the, yeah, so let's see what, what comes out I'm of that. I'm not surprised it's a Liverpool man taking the <laughs> heat, mate. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Cheers, Calvin. Bye-bye. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> great speaking to you, Calvin Watt, owner of Nelson Sports SA and Capitalized Media. It's also great to hear from Lungani Zama, by the way, if you're listening to Sunrise with Stephen Crotis uh, this morning. Also had some very, very good points uh, to make here about uh, this uh, Super League. If you are able to find that podcast, it should be on the SAFM Sunrise page there. Lunganizama is a respected sports journalist here in the country and he really went in. He didn't miss his words here.